So I went to Lake Trail High School, as most of you know, and so when graduation happened, and I was out in the parking lot with my best friend Mark, and you know, I was like, thank you, Mr. Ruffner, for passing me. Um, I like, had an incompleteness class. I'm like, get this kid out of here. We don't want him again, you know. And I was like, oh, man, I got my high school degree. No more tests. This is awesome. Then I went to college. Four years, well, six years for me. Six years of college, right? And, and like at the end of college, I'm like, yes, no more tests. Then I went to grad school. Four years of grad school. Finally, at the end of grad school, I'm like, no more tests. There will not be any more tests. Someone's like, hey, are you going on for your doctorate? I'm like, no, I'm done with tests. Little did I know that the rest of my life would be filled with tests. Tests of my character. Tests of my integrity. Tests of my, my husband's skills and my, my parenting skills, my, my physical endurance, as I talked about last week. Tests of my faith. In Jesus. Now, uh, unlike some of the, those tests that we're trying to determine whether or not I should become a pastor or whatever, you know, our, our faith, the test to our faith, isn't meant to, 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 to get us to fail. Actually, it's meant to, to reveal the genuineness of our salvation. So we've been talking throughout this series about how when, when John sat down to write this letter to his church in Ephesus in the first century, like the, the main purpose of writing this letter was to say, guys, I want you to know, I want you to have security in your salvation in Jesus. And so he says this in, in 1 John 5, 13. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you have eternal life. And so today we want to talk about some tests um, and to our faith. And, and so we're going to begin today in 1 John chapter 5. We're finally in chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab them uh, and turn to 1 John 5. If you didn't bring a Bible today, you need one. There's some in the back. Uh, if you don't own one, you can take one. They're, they're free. It's our gift to you. Uh, and maybe you just you forgot your Bible today and just need to pick up one. Um, and you can use it today. There's some pens and paper back there as well. So I, just, I want to look at the, these first five verses of 1 John chapter 5 today uh, and, and allow you know, this, this encouragement but also this challenge from John as we read these words. John writes, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So we want to look at, at three tests today, if you're taking some notes. And so the first one, really, it, it's a test of faith. Look, look at the first part of verse 1 again. John writes, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. So we've been writing in our Bibles throughout this series. And so if you want to write in your Bibles, you can underline the word believes and circle the word born. Now these are two action verbs, and, and, and their tense is different. Right, so, so believes is the present tense. Right, so when, when you see a word that's in the present tense, that, that means it has this, this sense of, of ongoing, it, it, for in this case, perpetual belief. 
in Jesus, that he is the Christ. And then that phrase, is born, is the perfect tense. Now, now that refers to something that, that has already happened in the past, and, it, and it's still true today. Right? You're born, like when you put your faith in Jesus, you're born in, in, to God, and it continues to be true today. Now, why is this important for us? Now, because I, I think it's, there's some teaching out there. Remember, John is writing to correct some, some bad teaching in his church. I think there's some bad teaching today. Right? So faith is, is not the mechanism that, that saves anyone. What, what saves everyone is God giving us new life when we believe. Right? So, so salvation isn't caused by believing. Salvation is by grace and is revealed by our faith. The, the clearest explanation of that is by, by Paul in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. All right, so he says, for it is by what? By, oh, wait, Ephesians 2. There it is, okay. Ephesians 2, right? It is by what? By grace you have been what? You've been saved, right? By, you're saved by grace through what? Faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. And I think there's, like, there's this, you know, maybe old school thinking from pastors, like, we, we got to get people to pray the sinner's prayer. That's what's going to save them. That's what's going to save them. And it's like, no, no, like, it, what saves us is, is God's work. We're, we're, it's by grace that we've been saved through faith, right? It's not by something that we have done. To, to maybe, maybe think of it a little bit differently. Remember the, the story of Jesus and Lazarus? Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. So one day Jesus comes and, and Lazarus has been dead for like four days, right? And, and he commanded Lazarus to come out of the tomb alive. Right? Lazarus didn't do it. He didn't come up with that on his own thinking about that. No, Jesus did it. And when he commanded Lazarus, it is then that Lazarus walked out alive. The raising of, G, of Lazarus from the dead is the work of Jesus. And so we are, are saved by the person and the work of Jesus. And we, we're responding to him. And so in that response, it's a testing of our faith. What do we really believe? Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. That's the first test. The second test is the test of love. Look at verses 1 and 2 again. John writes, And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. And so if you're writing your Bibles, you can circle the word love or loving. It's there four times. And this just all right, this begs the question for every one of us, whether you're online or, or in the room, like, do we love God's children? Like, as, as you look around this room, as you think about other believers in your life, do you love them? Right? And, and like we've been hitting this pretty hard in this series. And I, I just I want to say it one more time. If you love God, then, then you love his kids. Right? The, you know, the, the ones who are easy to love, the ones you get along with, and the ones who push your buttons and drive you crazy. Right? We're, we're to love all of God's children. Because this, this word love is the word agape. We've been talking about agape love throughout this series. So if you want to write it in the margin again, A-G-A-P-E, agape. Right? This is that, that self-sacrificing love. 
And, and the tense here is, is the present tense. So it's that, once again, it's that, that continual, persistent, self-sacrificial love that doesn't quit. Even when our buttons are pushed, even when we're tired, even when we're down, when we're frustrated, we continue to love with that kind of love. And it's really, it can't be self-generated. We can't, we can't white-knuckle and be like, all right, I know I'm going to be spending some time with this person. I'm going to love them. Right? No, this isn't self-generated. This is, this is supernatural love that comes from the Holy Spirit. Right? And so we, this, this love, it, it originates with God. We love because He first loved us. And in response to that, we love with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's what Jesus said. He says, this, like, come on, this is the great commandment. Jesus says in Mark 12, 30 and 31, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Do, do, you, do you see there's, there's a word that's repeated before each one of those? It's, it's the word partial, right? Right? It's partial, right? Love God with partial part of your heart and part of your soul and part of your mind and part of your strength, right? That's what it says, isn't it? Because that's what we do. No, no, no. It says all. Right? We, well, really? All, yes, that's what it says. Jesus says all. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no, no commandment greater than these. Right, and so we, we say, we, you know, this, to say that we, we love God is, is to ask the question, like, is God, like, like, is he supreme? Is he above all other desires in your life and in my life? If, if I was just to, to be able to have a, a sit-down conversation with you and be like, okay, let's just, let's rank God. Where, where is he in your life? What number would you give him? If you're the person who knows you the best were to rank where God is in your life, what would that person say? It's humbling, right? Like, do, do, we have to ask ourselves, like, do, do I want anything, anything at all, more than Jesus. Do I? Anything. You know, there's that, remember the, how, how Jesus was getting ready to be betrayed, and, and, you know, everyone's like, oh man, I'm with you, Jesus, I'll do anything for you, and, 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 and Jesus is like, Peter, you're, you're actually going to deny me three times. And he did. Jesus, he, he gets arrested and, and beaten, and and he nailed to the cross, and he dies, and he, you know, three days later, he's raised from the dead. And a, and a couple of days later, Jesus and, and Peter have this, this very intimate conversation. And Peter, Jesus goes to Peter, and he says, do you love me? Peter's like, yeah, Jesus, I, I love you. And he says, Peter, do you love me? Peter's like, yeah, Jesus, I, I love you. He's like, Peter, do you love me? And Peter's like, yeah, I love you. If we, we could have a face-to-face, -face, intimate, eyeball-to-eyeball -eyeball conversation with Jesus, in which he looked into our soul. I think he's looking into Peter's soul. And he asked you and he asked me, do you love me? How would we answer? How would you answer? How would I answer? That's, a, that's the test of love. 
And then third is the test of obedience. Look at verses 2 and 3. John writes, by, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. And so you can underline the word commands there three times and circle the phrase not burdensome. And so for me, this begs the question, like, do, do I obey God's word? Do you? In your everyday ordinary life, do you obey God's word? Like all of God's commands. And, and sometimes, you know, we've been talking about this throughout the series, that there's some connecting words that are very important. That they, they link things together that we don't want to miss. Right? And so he, he connects loving God and carrying out his commands. Right? So John would, would argue and would say that you cannot separate. These, like, loving God and keeping his commands are inseparable. Right? So we, we have to ask ourselves, right? if, I, if I really do genuinely love God, eyeball to eyeball, you know, Jesus looking into our soul, and yes, I love you. How is it demonstrated? Are we living out his commands? And that might be an ouch for many of us. And it needs to be an ouch for many of us. We're like, hey, yeah, yeah I love God. And, and John's like, show me. What's the, what's the demonstration? Are, how are you living out God's commands? And remember, this, this is agape love, right? This is self-sacrificing love. And so we, we voluntarily choose to love God by wanting to obey his commands. And, and so, but, here, here's, I, but I want you to think about it. You know, sometimes I think we, we look at all the commands, Old Testament, New Testament, we're like, oh, there's so many rules. Oh, I hate rules. I get it, me too. But there's a sense that, that as, as our love for God increases, that, that, that there's an affection that occurs for God. And an effect, that affection, uh, affection is, is demonstrated through our obedience. Right? And so, so he says next, carrying out and keep. Like you can circle those two words, carrying out and keep. And so that, that phrase, carrying out, it, it literally means obey. If you want to write in the, in the margin the word obey. And keep, it has this idea of protection. Right? So if you want to write that in the margin, protection. It's, it's a guarding. It's, a, it's this diligent care that's taken to preserve God's commands in our lives. Like we, we hide God's word in our hearts so that we can live it out. Right? And, just, and then so there's this, this sense that I think John is trying to get us to see that there's this internal joy in obedience. Right? Now, it's not just kind of this outward conformity, like white-knuckling, like, oh my gosh, i got to get through this. No, it's like, I get to do this. Right? And, and so for me, like, whenever I'm thinking about, like, there's this delight that we should have, I'm like, oh. I, I, need some, I need some reference for that. What does that genuinely look like for, for you and for me in our everyday ordinary lives? So, you know, it, you do your morning devotion time. Maybe you, you journal like I do. And you, there's, here's two questions for you to, to journal maybe this week. First question is this. Do, do I intentionally seek to obey God's word? Right, do I? Do you? And then second is, do, do I so desire to obey God's commands because I want to please him. Not because I'm, I'm checking off some rules that I have to white knuckle through. No, because I mean, I'm delighting in this because he's my, my father in heaven. He, he rescued me out of sin and slavery, right? And to me, my, my mind goes to Psalm 119, 
Okay, so just, just let me give you three verses from Psalm 119 that talks about this, this delight in, in God's commands. Verse 16, I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Verse 35, direct me in the paths of your commands, for there I find what? I find delight. Verse 47, for I delight in your commands because I love them. Right? Do, you, do you see what, what's trying to happen here with John, with the writer of Psalm 119? Right? There's this, this changing of our hearts. And so I would invite you this week, like, read all of 119, Psalm 119, and just look for the word delight, circle it, underline, highlight, whatever that looks like for you. And so maybe you want to write Psalm 119 in the, in the margin here next to 1 John chapter 5, just as, as a reminder. And so there's this, this call to, to delight in, in obeying God's commands, but I think John, writing so many years ago, anticipated what his, what his congregation would say, what our congregation would say. Right? These, these, these commands. And there's so many of them. Aren't they like burdensome? I remember all these things I have to do. And, and, and John, he's, he's like, come on. Like, I, I want to make this emphatic statement to you so you hear it loud and clear. No. They're, they're not burdensome at all. Now, that doesn't mean that, that it's always going to be easy to obey or there was never going to be a temptation to, to disobey or, or there'll be a, a struggle at some point in our lives like, oh, man, man, I really struggle with that. But what it does mean, though, is that, that when, when you receive God's love as, as his son, as his daughter, and, and you reflect that love back up to him like through obeying his commands, like, John's saying, it's, it's not heavy. It's not oppressive. It's, it's not unfair. It's, it's not unjust, that, that weight. In, in fact, Jesus says this in, in Matthew chapter 11. Come to me. All you are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you'll find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so those words from Jesus, they, they oftentimes don't describe you and me. What more describes us is kind of this white knuckling, like I hope I just, you know, I want to be moral or I want to just hold on for dear life so I don't look too bad. He's like, no, no, no. It's not about your power. It's, it's about the power of God in you. Look what John writes in verse 4. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. So if you're writing your Bibles, I underline that word, everyone. And so this is the NIV version. Some of you read from the NIV version. Some of you read from different versions. And I just, I'm going to kind of go a little bit deeper here and just share something that as I'm studying this that, that I learned. So if you want to, you can write next to everyone. You can write whatever. And so just stay with me for a minute. So this, the Greek word for the one that's translated there as everyone is the word pan, P-A-N. So every time that any Bible, version of the Bible is, is translated, it's an interpretation. That there's a, a group of scholars that get together and they go through the Greek and they're like, what's, what's the best translation of this word into the English, but, but also doing it in the context that we, we think in sentences and paragraphs, like how is it that we are going to best communicate this so that it can take root in people's hearts? Right? And so the people who translate the NIV version, they, they put everyone there. But the, the word is pan. And so pan literally means all, A-L-L. -L. And, and and, but not in the sense of everyone. 
And so for me, I think this is a, a potentially bad translation as, as I read through this, and as we're going to see in the next verse of why, the, how they're connected. I think John is making a, a theological statement here. He, he wants to, to emphasize it in, say, in writing this, that this, this conquering, right, it's, it's not us. We are not the conquerors. Right? We, we, we're, we're not, you know, the people who are like rising up and be like, I did this. I, I brought my own salvation thing. I conquered sin and death in my life. Like we, we have no power to conquer sin and the world on our own. The, the reason any of us is a conqueror is only because of the power of the Holy Spirit in us through faith in Jesus. And so same, whatever is born of God, it really, it's emphasizing this power that comes from us supernaturally from our Heavenly Father that is in us, right? Not from us. I think John is de-emphasizing our power and our own ability. Now, we do have to fight, right? And we need to fight sin. And, and, and I think there's this call to delight and obedience, absolutely. But John is saying, look, we do it all under the power of of God. And then he uses these, the, these words, victory and, and overcome. So it's in the, overcomes in there twice. And so you can circle those words. And so the root word for, for both of those words is Nike. N-I-K-E. Nike. John's favorite brand was Nike. Right? And, I, and I got proof of it. Right? And so John used the word Nike, the Greek word Nike, 25 times in this letter. In all of the New Testament, it's only in there 33 times. John's got 25 of the 33. But see, John's not, he's not trying to set up some kind of special class of Christians who, who are overcomers, who are walking in victory. No, he's saying, look, this is true for all followers of Jesus. And when he's talking about the world, he's not talking about people. He's talking about a system of beliefs that, that is controlled by Satan and is opposed to Jesus. And so the, the, the means for our, our overcoming, the means for our victory is our faith, our, our belief system found in the person and work of Jesus. And so when, when John uses this phrase, has overcome, he's saying, look, look to the cross. It, the, the victory has been won. The, the battle is over. As Jesus said, it is finished. Jesus says this in, in John chapter, the gospel of John chapter 16, verse 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And so the reason that we don't fear is because our identity is in Jesus, that we have been adopted into the family of God. And so the reason that we're, we're overcomers is because we identify with the victory of Jesus over sin and death. And so we, we, the, the song we just sang, Victory in Jesus, right? That's, that's what we have as followers of Jesus. And so, so John finishes in verse 5 by saying this, writing this. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And so underline the word who, and it's in there twice. And so this is the connection from verse 4, right? So, so John moves from, from whatever so that our attention is going vertical to now he's saying whoever... Right? He, he's moving from, from God as the source of our power for us as disciples to, to our personal experience of that power. And then circle the word believes. So once again, it, this is the present tense. 
It's this, this continual victory over the world and over sin. And it's, it's dependent on, on our continual belief in Jesus. You can't be separated. It's an active belief. It's, it's something that we do. It's not like we're sitting around just kind of passively waiting for something to help us to, to conquer the sin in our lives. But, but we're consciously, we're actively choosing to believe, to, to love God, and to obey His commands. And so John's saying really simple, guys, look, do, do you believe that, that Jesus is the Son of God? Because if, if you really believe that, then you're an overcomer. But, but I've talked to so many people from our church and from other churches, and, and they're like, Chris, man, I, I know the Bible says I have victory in Jesus. I know the Bible says I'm an overcomer, but why don't I feel like an overcomer? Well, let me give you, just, let's just talk about this. You know, for some of us, what we, we aren't, let's just be honest, we, we aren't actively choosing to love God and obey his commands. And, and, and when we're walking in that, that season of, of disobedience, what do we typically do? I talk to a lot of people about this, and I've done it myself. Like, we, we laid on God. Well, why didn't God take that desire away from me? Why didn't God take away that desire for, for, for adultery or for alcohol or gambling or gossip or, or whatever? Why didn't God take that away from me? We laid on him instead of on ourselves. Other times we, we, we choose something other than loving God and, and, and obeying his commands. Like we come into a, to a moment, we are an instant gratification culture, right? And, and we get to this moment and we, we, th- we convince ourselves, you know what, the, doing this thing, it's going to satisfy me more than God will. So I'm going to click on that website. I'm going to lay that bet. I'm going to choose someone that's not my wife or my husband. And sometimes we just, we simply, we grow weary in the battle. We just feel like all of life is, is white-knuckling it, and you just feel like, oh, there's so much going on in social media and news media and work and school and friendships and husband and wife, and oh, it's overwhelming. But we don't start our day abiding in Jesus. The moment that we wake up in the morning, what's the first thing we do? We grab our phone and we check whatever happened on social media, the news media, we check our email from work, right? And just, we immediately begin to go instead of be. You know, the importance of beginning your day in God's word and in prayer, I mean, it's just, it's, it's immeasurable. It's immeasurably important. That's why a lot of people today, they, they don't feel like an overcomer. And they don't feel like they have victory in Jesus. Now, let, let me give you a, a couple examples. And I'm trying to think of some, some things that, may, that I've you know, experienced myself and just kind of what's, what's this look like in kind of our everyday, ordinary lives. So let's, let's say you've got a, a child that you take to the doctor, they haven't been feeling well or whatever, and they run some tests and they're like, well, we're not sure the tests are inconclusive. We're going to run some more tests. And, and they run the test. And they're like, it's, it's going to take a week to, to get the test results back. Right? And so what do you do? Do you go home and 
immediately fire up the computer and get on like WebMD and be like, what could this be? I got to find out. Oh my gosh, my child could be this and this and this. And you start writing a story and you spend three hours on the internet searching and finding out what's the most horrific thing could possibly happen to your child, right? And you realize the longer you're on there and the more you're researching, right, your anxiety level and your fears is going, growing and growing and growing. Why do we do that? What's, what's the temptation in that? And maybe it's a temptation to be anxious. Maybe, maybe it's a, an attempt to be sovereign. Like, I, if I can just get enough information, then, then I can change the outcome, and, and, my, and I'll get my desire for my child. What's going on in your head, in my head, in those moments? But in light of what we just read from John, what should we believe about Jesus? Like I, I think we, what we believe about Jesus, I don't have to be anxious when my child gets sick. You know, no, no matter what happens, God is good. He, he cares for my child. He loves my child. He loves me. Right? And, and so, like, and, and listen, right? Your, your, your anxiety, your, your being worried about your child's health is not a greater expression of your love for your child. John says, if you love God, then you will follow his commands. And he commands us from front to back in the Bible, do not worry. Do not fear. And yet we hold on to it so tightly. So that's one example. Second example, this doesn't just be guys, it can be ladies too. You, you, so, you, so you go to the, the hardware store, Right? And you tell yourself, I just, I just need this one tool, right, to, to be able to do this project at home, right? I'm just, I'm just going in for, for one. I got my blinders on. I'm not going to talk to Tony. Like, I'm just going to, like, I'm going in there and just get my, my, my thing, right? But then you pass by the, the display. <gasps> That's the tool that I need. That's the tool I want so badly. I've been dreaming, and it's on sale, Right? It's like, oh my gosh, this is going to be great. And, and like, you're like, I, I'm, how can I hide this from my wife? Right? So you, I put on my credit card and be like, oh, I just was getting a tool that I needed to finish that project. Right? And it's like, no, you came in with two tools. Right? And, like, and so, like, what, what's the temptation in that moment for us? Right? I mean, I just, like, we, we want to tell ourselves, like, hey, I'm just, I'm just, you know, this is, you know, it's not that bad, right? But the reality is you're coveting something that, that, that you want, that you don't necessarily need. And it's probably going to, and having that thing, it might even make you prideful. Wait till my friends see the tool I got today at this price. Right? And, and, and so they, and then we're like, okay, maybe, maybe this tool is, it's, it's going to make me content. It's going to make me happy. I finally have, finally, I, I've, I've completed my set of DeWalt power tools. I've done it. I am complete now with my tool set. Right? But what, in those moments when we're seeing that, we're like, oh my gosh, i got to get that tool. Hey, what, what should we believe about Jesus? Right? So, like, should I, I, should, I actually should believe that, that being dependent on God and, and learning patience is, is better than and indulging my, my momentary desires. I should believe that, that a tool, no matter how cool that tool is, will never complete me or make me content. Only Jesus can.
And so this is, like, this is the practicality of working on our faith in Jesus, right? Of, of living in this, in this victory in Jesus, right? All of us, we're, we're going to experience moments in, in which we like, are, are going to be tempted, right? We're gonna, it's going to test our faith. It's going to test our love, and it's going to test our obedience. That's, that's part of being a disciple of Jesus, and so it doesn't matter if you're still in school or non-school. There's always going to be tests. The test of faith. What do I believe about Jesus? The test of love. Who do you love? God of the world. And the test of obedience. Do you obey all God's commands? See, the, the victory that we have in Jesus comes by, as we declare by faith that Jesus is our Lord and our Savior, that we love God and that we delight in keeping and obeying his commands. Let's pray. Almighty God, we are so grateful for this letter from John to his church in Ephesus. And just... It's, it's such a timely letter to us as well here at Charo Church. And we're going to walk out of this room and we're, we're going to live as disciples of Jesus. And, and how we live is important to you. We, we know that. And instead of kind of white-knuckling and trying to follow a bunch of rules that we'll never be able to keep on our own. Father, I pray that all of us, we would surrender ourselves to the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit. God, would you do in us what we can't do for ourselves? And God, as we, we close with this last song, I pray that it just would be such an anthem of where we really are with you, that we love you not with some kind of superficial, emotional love, but this, this genuineness that is, is proven out, that is tested by the way we live our lives. And so God, as we sing, may, may we sing from the depths of our souls, the depths of our hearts. This is what we really, truly believe as your disciples. Father, we love you and we praise you and ask all this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.